potential. And so when these young men, in fact, on, I watched a, a ESPN has these little uh, hour venues. It was on the 30th anniversary of the founding of ESPN, as I recall. It was called 30 for 30. They, made, they created 30 little shows. And it was on the, about a, a young man named Mitch Mustaine. Anybody know who Mitch Mustaine is? Some of you. Mitch Mustaine grew up in, in Arkansas. And he always wanted to be a Razorback. He was the number one rated quarterback. And so he did. He signed with Arkansas. And then later he went to Southern Cal after he played one year at Arkansas. And the whole show is on Mitch Mustang. And they, it, it was fascinating to me, not because of stewardship, but I, I thought about it when I was putting this down here about, about potential. When your performance doesn't match up to the expectations, it destroyed him. And he's not the only one. When people have this potential, I have a friend, a close friend. We're not as close as we used to be. I still talk to him every couple of years. But he was an incredible leader, an incredible speaker. I'm talking about unusual. And in his mid-20s, he was preaching on platforms with men that were much older than him and that were very well known. He was just very, very gifted. And then some problems developed between he and his wife, and he had to step out of ministry. And they were getting some counseling. They're not together anymore. They're divorced. And and I was trying to help them, um, both of them, together and separately. And... His wife shared this with me, that in a counseling situation, the the individual that was counseling them knew them well, and he knew of my friend's capacity and and the ability and the potential that he had. And she said in that meeting, it was just the three of them, uh, my friend, his wife, and Paul and I are friends with her too, very good friends, and then the counselor. And at some point in the conversation... Uh, the counselor leaned forward and, and he looked at my, my friend who had been in the ministry. He said, you have so much, and he was about to say potential. And his wife told me later that his friend said, don't say it, don't say it. But it was not in a humorous way Why he said it. He, he didn't want to hear it because he didn't want to be reminded of his failure to reach his potential that he was going to be in mediocrity. Here's why I talk to you about potential on the front is every single one of you in this room have more potential than you realize in the work of God. Every single one of you. You take the person in here that has the most insecurity, and it may be the man behind this desk this morning. But you take the person that has the most insecurity, and the devil will leverage that against you. But I want you to know something. Listen, God has put in you the ability and the capacity to do something far beyond that you could ever dream. I'm not talking about to satisfy your fleshly desires so that you could be famous or or something along those lines. But so that you can make a contribution to the kingdom of God. 
And God wants to use you. He did not save you just to take you to heaven. God saved you. If He'd done that, He would just save you and then, and then take your life and take you on to heaven. No, He left you here so that you could do something for Him, so that you could have an impact on people. There's a powerful scripture and it talks about our, our works. And it's three verses and three times in that verse, the word works or its derivative is used. And two times it's good, one time it's bad. You know the verses, Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. For by grace are you saved through faith, not of works lest any man should boast. That's not a good kind of work. We're trying to work to achieve God's favor. We can't do that. For we are His workmanship. The word in the original for workmanship there is the word poem. God, God is writing a story in your life. And, and it is not what you do for God. It's what God does in you. You, you are His workmanship. He... He is working you. We are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus. That's new birth. Unto good works. God saved you. And part of the workmanship, part of the work working that He is doing in you is so that you can reach your potential in serving and ministering to others. Which God hath before ordained. Now look at this, that we should walk in them, walk in what? That you should walk in, in good works. And those good works are ministry. That you're blessing people. Every day of your life. Every day, every hour. Not just one time, but every day of your life you ought to be doing works. And it ought to start at home. When I, when I meet with Daniel... My object is not just, let me see what I can get out of him. My object is, how can I serve him? How can I add value to his life? How can I bless him? What can I do for him? When I, when I sit here or, or I minister to people in life group, it's not, how can I look good? How can I have friends? No, it's how can I be a friend? How can I leave something with the, these friends of mine that will bless them and help them? Listen. It's a worldview, it's a perspective that we should walk. Think about walking. It's just something you do unconsciously. Every step that you take all day long is the way you fulfill your potential. It's the way you feel, fulfill your destiny. But quit thinking about your potential. Don't think about your destiny. Just think about that, that you are a servant. I love my parents' Bibles. I, sometimes I bring one of them. I didn't do so today. But I'll bring one of their Bibles to, to preach out of it for a special reason. And I remember when my... I love to read the things that, that were important to them and even growing up. It was fascinating to see the, the things that they underlined. And that's why I'm not against if you use... You know, different electronic devices. But here's the one thing I don't like is you can't mark. And people say, yeah, but I can mark it. Yeah, but your children can't see that. I have my mother's Bible. I can see her handwriting where she said, where there's places in Psalms and other places where she's got Rick, Melanie, and Hoss. 
And that's a treasure. And one day that'll go to my children or grandchildren or, or, or who knows how far that will go. And, and it's a treasure. And I love to read that in my, in, on the, one of the fly leaves on my mom's Bibles. She had this written, and I don't know if she heard it. She probably did. But it challenged me as a boy of this matter of, of doing good works. I mean, it challenged me. And, and here's what it said. Mom had written, we, we are one to win. W-O-N, we're one to win, win others, and we're saved to serve. And it wasn't just a little cute thing to me. It, it challenged me to serve Jesus. And it made me a little bit uncomfortable that I wasn't doing those things. That God, somebody won me to Christ so that I would know God and introduce other people to know Him. And I was saved to serve others and to serve the Lord. You know, the way you serve God is you serve people. It's not spooky. We serve God by, by blessing people. What a terrifying thought for me to think that one day I'll stand before God and realize my potential or lack thereof of what I could have been and what I've have done or what I've not done for Jesus Christ. And as I was thinking about that this week, I, I thought, you know, all of us have gaps in our potential. All of us do. We None of us are perfect, and, and, and we all, not only do we not go the second mile, we don't go the first mile sometimes. But there's going to be some, some regrets at the judgment seat of Christ. And I want to close that gap. I want to say, Lord, use my life for your pleasure and for your glory. So we've been talking about the topic of stewardship, why it's important. And let me, let me give you the essence of it. Number one, God has a role in stewardship. He's the owner. He's the owner. When Jesus died, he didn't just die to pay the penalty for my sin, but he purchased my soul but he also purchased my body, he purchased my life, he purchased my future, and he owns me. And he paid, he paid a terrible price. The Bible says in Acts chapter 20 and verse 28, Take heed therefore, this is the word to pastors, unto yourselves, pay attention to yourself first, and then to the flock over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers. That's the word you get the word bishop from. And here's the word pastor, to feed, to shepherd, the church of God, to feed the church of God. And the church of God, God has purchased with his own blood. This is not my church. God purchased you. The church is the people with his own blood. Listen, salvation is free, but it's not cheap. Salvation is free, but discipleship is costly. God's role is that He is the owner. My role is that I am a manager. I am under God's authority. And God has given me certain roles, certain responsibilities that He wants me to fulfill. Now, let's look at the one I want to highlight today, and that's our, our talents and our responsibilities. Our talents, our abilities. And as I said earlier, every person here has a unique capacity to contribute to the word of 
work of God. You are important to Friendship Baptist Church. You, you may not feel like it, but you're vital to the work of this church. God does His, His work through you. And every one of you ha- have an ability. Now, I want to define terms because I just don't want to say ability and you say, okay, yeah, but I, I want to tighten that up a little bit. What is an ability? An ability is having a skill or proficiency to do something in a particular area. You have a skill, a proficiency to excel others in a particular area. It's not about pride. You can do some things. You can sing better. You, you can construct things with your hands. You can build things better. You see things differently than other people. And God wants you to cultivate these areas for His glory. You know, in this room, someone in here is the strongest person and someone is the weakest person. And you can cultivate those degrees of strength. Well, just like there are degrees of physical strength, there are different degrees of ability. And God has put you into this church, into any local church you're a part of, to to pull those abilities so that we can make a difference for Jesus Christ. There are musical abilities, artistic abilities, athletic abilities for the glory of God. My brother travels all over the world. He was out of town this past week. He goes to Turkey. He goes to Greece. He goes to South America. He goes all over the world. And he takes athletes from college and, and the NFL, and, and they use that as a platform to communicate the gospel. He's, he's happier than he's ever been. Some of you have abilities intellectually. And God gave you that mind to use for His glory, not to glory in it. Jeremiah 9 says, we glory in the Lord and also in His gifts. Maybe you've never thought about this. Some of you, God has given you the gift of a personality. You you have a warm personality. You have an ability to connect with people. Use that for the glory of God. Use use that. You ought to be at the door greeting people. You know, we we don't want people at the door that are looking at their feet. You You know, we want people out there that say, hey, how are you doing? I'm so glad you're here. Is this your first time? You say, well, does that not mean if I'm shy? I don't know. You have a ministry, but that that may not be it. God has given to you a gift. God has given to you an ability. And then God has given to you spiritual gifts. If you're a Christian, when you were born again at that moment, God gave you a spiritual gift. Now, you probably don't know what it is. You have to exercise it. And it's almost trial by error, and then you find out what that gift is. These spiritual gifts are given by the Holy Spirit to achieve supernatural goals that God has for your life. You know how you find your spiritual gift is what motivates you? What gets you excited? What what opportunities and burdens are you attracted to that other people tend to overlook? Some of you have a real passion of that, about feeding people and, and getting groceries to people. Some of you have a, a real burden to teach people the Word of God. Some of you have a, a burden to, to help the buildings look in good condition. 
And what happens is you zero in on that area, and if you're not careful, you get critical about other people that don't see it. But what you don't know is you have blind spots about things that you don't see. And if you're not careful, and this is why Paul gave us 1 Corinthians 12 through 14, he said you need to be loving in all this because that was their problem. They didn't love each other. It's the same attitude that you have towards other people. People can have towards you because of your blindness. I have blind spots. But every person in here, you have something to contribute to the church. I've often said you know you're operating in your spiritual gift when you have maximum fruit with minimum effort. doesn't mean there's not any effort. But it just means I have more fruit in that area. I have a spiritual gift. I know what it is. And, and, and people come to me for that. It's like a magnet. Sometimes I wish I didn't have it. Because I won't go into it. But just people, it's like an attraction. But you, you have fruit in that area. And, and God helps you. And God puts you in this church. Here are some of the gifts for spiritual gifts. Now, uh, some gifts you were given at birth. Lost people have those. Playing the piano is not a spiritual gift. All right, singing is not a spiritual gift. But God can use that. You ought to dedicate it to Him. But serving is a spiritual gift. And the idea of serving is doing the things behind the scenes that nobody sees. Teaching is a spiritual gift. Exhorting people, encouraging people, administration, giving, mercy, and there are some others. But these are just some samples of what God gives people, and they all function together. And I'm not going to... Going to a heavy teaching on this this morning, but every believer has a spiritual gift to minister to other Christians and to glorify God. But the big thing is this: is not what I want. The way you find your gift is you begin to. It's not like, well, let me see the list and then I can know. Is you start exercising, you start getting involved, and I'll tell you what will happen: is people come to you and they'll say, "Hey, did you know you're good at that?" I remember. My mom was teaching a class, a Sunday school class of girls in the fourth grade. And she said, would you come and teach the girls? I said, Mom, I, I can't do that. She said, well, I want you to. And I found out I enjoyed it. And then I, I, I would go somewhere else. And, and I found out that people said, hey, hey, that helped me. What you said helped me. That really helped me. By the way, if you're not getting affirmation, it's not your gift. Well, you know, I, I think my gift is singing. If people are, if, if they're doing this, that's not your gift. If you don't understand measure twice and saw once, building things is not your gift. I'm amazed sometimes at people that say, well, this is my gift. And sometimes, well, maybe, maybe you're not as concerned about your gift as you are. You're looking for prominence. Remember Saul when he was humble and he was hiding? I don't think he was, it was false humility. I think he was genuine. He was hiding among the stuff, but he couldn't. He was so big. You know, he was tall. Jewish people are usually short. And he was a humble man. And then he got all messed up. He began to get promoted and it got to his head and his heart. 
God, help us. God, help us be a people that want to bless people. And, and when you just get involved, people will say, hey, did you know you're good at that? And you may be surprised, and then you'll get involved with it, and you'll realize, I really love doing this. My brother got involved in his ministry. He didn't know it. There was a punter that played for LSU, and he was doing this all the time. And, and so Hoss went on a trip with him. He said, Hoss, you're good at this. Hoss said, well, yeah, I'm going to, when I retire, I'm going to do this. He said, you need, you need to think about retiring. You're good at it. Hoss got his 20 in 20 years. He retired from the city and he could have made more money. I remember my mama talking to him. So I'm worried about him. Man, he's going to retire too early. I said, mama, you've never been worried about me. I didn't mean it in a negative way. I said, God's always taking care of me. God will take care of Hoss. You know, I know, I know. I said, well, he'll be okay. If that's what God's leading him to do, he'll be okay. But the point I'm trying to give you is other people saw that in him. And Hoss is so indebted to that man that helped him. Now let's look in the text. 1 Peter 4, 10 and 11. As every man hath received the gift, that's the spiritual gift. Even so, minister the same, your gift, one to another. You know why I like that? Everybody's always thinking, well, I, I, want, I want to be in front of people. No, just one to another. It's an individual thing. And here it is, as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. You are a steward, a manager of your gift. If any man speak, they're speaking gifts. Let him speak as the oracles of the word of God. If any man minister, this is the heart of a servant. Let him do it as of the, here it is, the ability which God gives. That's what a spiritual gift is. That God in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom be praise and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Now let me give you a thought. We're a little bit late, and I know that, but, but I want to give you this. I don't want to just dismiss you because of time. I want you to get this. We'll give you one thought, and I'm going to finish this later. Here it is. Number one, identify your spiritual gift. This is in the text. Identify your spiritual gift. What is your gift? And I've already kind of hinted at this. We can help you sometimes. There's, there's no such thing as a spiritual gift test. You know why? Test indicates what's right or wrong. Now, there are some spiritual gift inventories. That's different. There aren't, there's not good, better, and best. You are what you are. But one of the ways to do that is just get involved and, and people will help you. And we can help you with inventories later. So at the new birth, you're given this gift. Some of you have an aptitude for math, for science, and, and, and for music. God can use these natural gifts for Him and you ought to surrender them. But these are not spiritual gifts. Verse 10, as every man hath received the gift. Now listen carefully. A spiritual gift is not an office. I told you many years ago about a man that met me when the hallway, we had a door and he, and he came in here. And I'd never met him before. It was the first Sunday. The first Sunday they came to the church. And uh, I, I met him and they were from another state. They were visiting our church. And he said, uh, I said, well, I'm, I'm really glad that you came. And he said, well, um, 
I was a deacon. This is what he said. The first, I was a deacon in my former church, and I was wondering if that would transfer here. I, I was so taken back by what he said that I wasn't sure that he understood what the word deacon meant. Deacon means doing menial tasks. It means to serve. It's hard work. It's quiet work. It's, it's doing things most people never know about. I was kind of frightened, to be honest with you. We went golfing together. I, I didn't want to judge him real quick, but it was no surprise to me that his marriage didn't last. You, you can't want to lord it over people and not lord it over your wife and your kids. It doesn't work. That kind of attitude, it, it permeates in, in everything. Hey, hey, can this, can my authority transfer in other places rather than, hey, any, anywhere I can fit in, just let me know. That's different. Now, I'm not talking about me. I, I don't want to be, I never tell people I'm the pastor, even here. I'm the pastor. I don't do that. When I'm out, I don't tell people, but there's reasons why. As every man hath received the gift, it's not earned, it's a gift of grace. The Bible says you receive the gift. And because it's a gift, there can be no, no competition. You don't look at somebody else and say they're getting more credit or he's better. There's no jealousy. There's no pride. It's a gift. God just gave it to you. And God gives some people more prominent places. He gives some people more visibility, even in a church. If you had that place, you'd be a train wreck. And your, your, your reward at the judgment seat is going to be on, on fulfilling your destiny, your gift. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 4, 7, For who maketh thee... There's three questions here. Boy, they're probing. Who maketh thee to differ from another? Well, we know this is God, right? And what hast thou that thou didst not receive? Well, that's probing. What do you have that wasn't given to you? Now, if thou disreceive it, why dost thou glory? And the word glory means to boast. As if thou hast not received it. It's all, you're not just saved by grace, you serve by grace. And so I'm, I'm a debtor. All this is about grace. God, I owe everything to you. And I don't get to go brag about I do this at my church, and, and I'm important. Oh, no. The ground is level at the foot of the cross. He gives us a, a clue about this in first Matthew chapter 25, verse 14. For the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country who called his own servants and delivered unto them his goods. So here's the owner, and, and the servant is the steward. Verse 15, unto one he gave five talents. Now, this is a unit of money, okay? But it represents like a gift. So the word talent is a unit of money, but it could be your ability. He gave five talents to one, another two, and another one talent. Now, watch this. To every man according to his several ability. Now, in the old English, the word several means individual. Well, hey, he got five talents, he got two, and I only got one. Well, that's all you can handle. This is all I can handle. 
God knows what you can handle. And he straightway took his journey. God has determined what you can handle. Now, you can cultivate that, and, and we should do that. But when a church is not healthy, when a church is not growing, the fellowship is not managing their gift. They don't know their gift, they're not using their gift, or they're using their gift in a wrong way. And so God says, you're, you're like a body. Every member of your body is crucial. Even, even if you can't see it, your body's important. You're, you're, you're inside of your ears. You can ask Eric this. He woke up one morning and he lost his hearing in, in one of his ears. The parts you can't see. 1 Corinthians twelve eighteen. But now hath God set the members, every one of them in the body, as it hath pleased him. Now, I think the body, let me give you my opinion, but I believe this. When Paul wrote 1 Corinthians, he was writing to a local church. And I think this body metaphor is for the local church, not, not the body of Christ at large. Because he's, he's going to use, talk about the ear. and You don't have, well, this church is the ear and another church is the arm. No, no, no. This is a local church issue. God has set the members, that's you, plural, in the body, singular. The word set means to place something in a particular location. Are, are you where God wants you? Every one of them in the body, as it hath pleased Him. You know, the word pleased there means to, to delight or to love. God says, I love you, and I, I love the place I've given to you. I want you to love it. Are you good with children? I, I knew a man that, that was wonderful with children, wonderful with children, but he wasn't content. And he wanted to do something else. He wanted a bigger ministry. And he wasn't any good at it. He was terrible at it. But he was so good with kids. And God set him there. Verse 27, now ye are the body of Christ and members in particular. The word particular means to, to divide up a pie as you would. And, and this is a, a little slice of pie. Your members in particular. You, you fit in this slot. This is where you go. You fit right there. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 20. But now are they many members... I'm almost finished. Stay with me. Now, are you many members? We're one body. We're one church made up of many people. But, but it's like a body. Verse 21, the eye, we don't know who the eyes are. We don't know who these people are, but God does. The eye cannot say to the hand, here's the idea, don't, don't say this to other people. Focus on your task. I have no need of thee, nor again the head to the feet. I have no need of thee, nay, much more those members of the body which seem to be more feeble or necessary. Now, the word feeble means prone to injury. Okay? It means they're wounded. It's kind of like your eye. It's like, well, you, you sure do get sick a lot or you, you get injured a lot or your brain. You, you know, I, I, got, I had a, a, got hit by a, a soccer ball on vacation. And since then, I've had some trouble with concussive issues. Just the least little thing. 
Well, you, you shouldn't do that. Well, well, hey, it happened. And here's what happens in the church. We just can't say, well, you're not important because fill in the blank. We need everybody. Verse 23, and those members of the body, plural, us as members of the, this church, which we think, God help us not to do this, to be less honorable. Upon these we bestow more abundant honor. In other words, we give them more care. And our uncomely parts have more abundant comeliness. And I'm going to be honest with you, the word uncomely there has the idea of your private parts. And here's what he's saying. He says, I I want you to to cover them. This is not a text on, on, on modesty, but stay with me. For our comely parts have no no need, as opposed to uncomely. But God, watch this, God had tempered, put together the body, giving more abundant honor to that which lacked. So there, there are some things that, that need external attention. And the body needs attention. People need attention. People need care. And that's one of my roles, and that's one of your roles. Let's not criticize one another. Let's get involved. Find out what you're good at. Find out what God has called you to do. I, I sent a text to my kids this past week. I'd read it, and I thought it was good. It says, I'm going to misquote it because I don't have it before me, but here, here was the idea of it. It said, whatever you find yourself doing when you're, procrastinate, when you're procrastinating is what you may be doing for the rest of your life. Now, some, some people waste time when they're procrastinating, but some people aren't wasting time. They're doing some other thing. And I got it. I know people that they're doing something that later on they're really good in another area, but they're doing something that I, this is not where my heart is. Now, you need to be careful with those things, but I hope you get the meaning of what I'm saying. What has God called you to do? What, what are you seeing in our church? Rather than criticizing that it's not getting done or criticizing, just volunteer with a good heart. Hey, I want to help. Not so you can be a boss. I mean, there may be some reasons why it's, it's being done a certain way, and you can add to it. You can help. Maybe you can transform it. Mowing the grass, caring for the grounds, teaching, cleaning, visiting people, praying. Everything and everybody, everyone can do something. And it comes from the giftedness that God has given to you. This morning I was praying over the message and I I began to think about a man that greatly influenced my life. He's in heaven now. I saw his picture just recently. He died from cancer in 1977. He never finished high school. But he had a great heart. And he had some spiritual gifts that God used to bless my life as a young man. And I mean, he had a profound impact on me. A few years later, I went to Bible college and I met Wymel Porter, who most of you know from being here in our church and speaking. Dr. Porter had an earned doctor's degree. He had a great heart, too. But they, they, on the academic end, they, they were as far apart as you could be. One never finished school. 
Why I'm a porter. One fed my heart. Why I'm a porter fed my mind. And I thank God for these men with different spiritual gifts. Neither was superior to the other. And I needed them both in my life at different times. Every person in here, you are important. Have you ever surrendered your gift to God? He may take it away from you. He has that right to do that. Get involved. Do something for God. Let's pray together, okay?